Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. The last part on this series on understanding the finished work of Christ that we're dealing with. We want to round this up. And so let's quickly go again to the main text, which is John 19, 28 to 30. Now it reads, And after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I test. Now they were set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon his eyes up and put it to his mouth. And when Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. So what we're looking at is, what is finished? When Jesus said it is finished. Now we say the common understanding, largely within the body of Christ, is that everything is finished, and all we need to do is to be awoken to the reality of that which is finished. I'm only being afraid that we are not tilting towards New Age doctrines or Christian side by Mary Baker. Because the only thing that those group were teaching, please check the echo, was basically their witness or the consciousness. They call it the consciousness or their witness from within you. Now, I believe truly that there's a Christ consciousness that we're supposed to carry, but when you begin to say that everything is finished, you only need to realize it and come to that awareness and then you become a giant of who you're supposed to be without any process. I think that is Mary Baker's doctrine. Now, I mentioned this in the very beginning that as far as the Romans generals were concerned, it is finished was not the only time, let me put it this way, it was a common language in the days of Jesus that represents something. Jesus was not the first man that used this language, it is finished. I illustrated to you that the Roman soldiers, when they are fighting a war, the general goes up. And if the last enemy drop on the enemy's camp, he will proclaim it is finished. And then the full soldiers will also come out of wherever they were to experience the victory. So he wasn't the first one that used the word, it is finished. And that also tells us that when Jesus said it is finished, he is saying the enemy have been destroyed. But the destruction of the enemy, your reconciliation to God, is not what automatically makes you a, a full-blown son of God in this kingdom. We've got to understand that. We know what the Bible says, for instance, when Jesus was going through baptism, and then the voice came, the my beloved son, the woman, were pleased. We know as far as the Jewish system was concerned, Jesus being a Jewish boy, one of the main things that the father uses to declare to the people around 
that the Son cannot sign, can now sign his signature and stand for him if he's not there, is what they call adoption. Adoption was not necessarily you bringing somebody from another family to your family who is not your blood relation. That's the Western concept of adoption. But the adoption that the Jewish custom was, if your son has grown up to a level of maturity, you bring it before the people, the elders of the city, which is called city gate elders now, and you make a declaration that from this day, this boy is qualified to sign my signature. When you say that, the boy can write his signature, make a declaration, or do things on your behalf. In other words, you're saying, he's matured enough to manage my estate. When you come to the place of adoption, that is not where you were born. The clause is not even where we were born. I keep saying it. The cross declaration that will the enemy have been destroyed. We've come to the place of reconciliation. But I bet took effect from Pentecost by the Holy Spirit. So when you say it is finished on the cross, what do you really mean? What is finished? Hallelujah. And even you're being born, remember in the scripture we have the techno, the nephews, and the wheels, and then the bain. This four dimension of sonship, right? The technos are just little people crawling, doing nothing. Then we have the 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 bane is in fact I would say is the most mature level. These are the people that take care of the family. I would say Jesus, when he was operating and doing carpentry work to feed the mother, he was operating as a bane. Somebody like Joseph was operating as a band, full mature sons. That is different from techno or nephews. We have to understand that. The cross did not bring you into all of that. The cross only destroyed the enemy that's against you, destroyed the laws of commandments against you. Then you are born by the Holy Spirit. So, after the cross, there is still a lot of work on the other side of the cross. We mustn't forget that by the time Jesus finished sharing his blood, he took another 50, 40, 50 days before the Holy Spirit came. The new church was bettered on the day of Pentecost, not on the cross. Are we together? Now, I'm not devaluing the power of the cross or the power of the cross or what the cross accomplished. I'm not devaluing that. But I want us to put things in perspective so that we know what we're doing. Otherwise, we, look, we begin to see people in Christendom who are living the life that they are not supposed to live. I call it a life of assumption and presumptuousness. Hallelujah. So you see, when Jesus was to be adopted, right there in the river Jordan, the father adopted him, this is my beloved son, in whom I will please. He adopted him as a prophet. Why? Because John was seen as a prophet. Now he was saying... Listen to my son now, instead of listening to John. If you go to Hebrews now, begin to see, the Lord who spoke a hundred times through the prophet, he's spoken by his son. Remember that? Good. Then, when you come to Matthew chapter 17, verse 1 to 3, you have another adoption when he, when he was transfigured. What was adoption there? Adoption as a priest. That's why you read, after six days... Because you go down to the book of Leviticus, you find that it takes between six and eight days. That's why in Matthew talks about six days, in Luke talks about eight days. Because these were the days for the priesthood consecration. 
the preparation for priesthood. So when Jesus finished speaking that to them, it was transfigured after six days. So what was revealed on the Mount of Transfiguration, what is priesthood? And the voice again came, my beloved son. Then the third adoption you find in the book of Hebrews chapter 1, he was adopted as a king. So these are the three times the voice was coming. Now I'm saying you don't adopt in Nepios, somebody, Galatians, Galatians, go to Galatians chapter 4 for me, and look at it. Galatians chapter 4, very quickly, verse number 1. Now I say that the heir, as long as a child, this word child in the Greek is Nepios, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is a master of all. This is the lowest level of sonship. You see? Where you are being guided by slaves in the house, even though you are an heir. Now you see, you have to mature as an heir to become the one to inherit the properties that belong to you. You can't inherit as an abuse. Are you following what I'm saying here? Now what I'm trying to say essentially, there is still more to that which Christ accomplished on the cross for us as believers. Praise the living God. So, we're just moving now. So when Jesus said, it is finished, that's what I'm trying to say. He cried out, it is finished. When Jesus cried out on the cross, it is finished. He wasn't by any means proclaiming that the whole work of redemption and restoration was finished. Not at all. The only thing that was finished, I re-emphasize, at the cross was his death, the sharing of his precious atoning blood, and nothing more. He shared the atonement, I mean the atonement, remember what we call it, atonement, the oneness, bringing us together, reconciliation, the blood accomplished that on the cross, but nothing more was accomplished on the cross. Your sins are forgiven, the devil is defeated, you're not reconciled to God. But that begins a new journey for you when the Holy Spirit comes. Hallelujah. But like I said, that is not all there is to God's great redemptive, resurrective, and transformative work in creation. What happened on the cross is not the whole lot of the great work that God has in mind in terms of redemption, in terms of restoration of all things, and in terms of transformation of the work of creation. Is that okay? So for instance, the Bible said the creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Before he said that, he said, creation is groaning and traveling. Am I correct? So what is finished? If it is finished, why is creation traveling? What are they traveling for? But the scriptures here are traveling and are waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. So what is finished? Tell me. It is finished and creation is waiting. It is finished, they are waiting for the sons of God. I mean, that's, that, that's confusion of tongues, people. Hallelujah. Romans 5.10. Let's look at this again. Romans 5.10. Matter of fact, I just got a note from the U.S. Somebody said, no, you need to put this in a book form. Now, we've got to believe God for money. To put it in print. Romans 5.10, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God 
By the death of his son, much more be reconciled, we shall be what? Saved by his life. We shall be saved. That's future. We shall be saved. That's for present tense. Am I correct? Good. We are saved. We are reconciled. When we're enemies, fine. Brought us back. Reconciled to God. But we have to be saved by his life. And the life did not come until the day of Pentecost. Which is the Holy Spirit. That is his life. Eat my bread. I mean, eat, eat my flesh, drink my blood. Take the word, take the spirit. Is that okay? Say so the bread is my flesh. What is his flesh? The word became flesh. So eat the bread, which is the flesh. The word. Drink my blood, which is his life, his spirit. My blood is life indeed. And Leviticus 11, 7 says, the life of the flesh is in the blood. So when the blood was poured out, the life was released. And the life came down to us on the day of Pentecost. You get what I mean? Praise the Lord. So that's what we say here. We shall be saved. That world is future. Okay. So we can say here, we'll be reconciled by his death. But our full salvation comes by the working of his life. His life is the resurrection life. Without his life, you have no finished work anywhere. Let's be honest. Without his life performing, working in you, subduing, you have no finished work anywhere. It's deception. It's complete religion. Man just trying to, you see, I don't know. That's why they say religion is the opium of the masses. You, you are just drumming things in your head to believe what really you are not. And somebody got drowned last year now in the river. I, I think somebody in South Africa was in Bobby. I can't remember precisely again. He wanted to walk like Jesus. That's manifested son. So he wanted to go and walk on the water. Everybody came, gathered, and then went in. He walked in there and got drowned. Clue floats. No life jackets. Amen. You see what I'm saying? Assumption. We don't live on assumption. The only thing for you to test the man of manifested as the full son of God, put a needle in his body and wash and see if there's no blood. Then you can say, yeah, this one is a manifested son of God. Because when Jesus rose from the grave, he has no blood. He has flesh and bones. Did you get that? The manifested sonship. Remember what we read last week in Romans 1? 3, 4, was the son of David according to the flesh, but made to be the son of God by resurrection and power of the Holy Spirit. It was when he rose that he truly manifested his sonship. Praise God. And you tell me it's finished. What is finished? Let somebody explain. Again, like I said, this is not to devalue the great work Christ did on, the, on behalf of men on the cross. We are certainly more than grateful for the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. But friends, we've got to note this. If the work done at Calvary is the finished work, then we are all completely lost sinners for life and eternity. And I'm going to use scripture again to prove that. If you say all that happened is the finished work, 
Then I want to tell you that even all of us who claim to be believers, we are lost. I will show you by the scriptures. Again, like I said, Christ's true sonship was declared only after resurrection. And that's what you find in Luke chapter, I mean, Romans chapter 1, verse number 4. 3 and 4 will tell you that concerning his son, Romans chapter 1, 3 and 4, concerning his son Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by what? The resurrection from the dead. Resurrection from the dead. That is when his sonship was declared. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise the living God. Therefore, if you look at Ephesians 2, verse 6, it says, Therefore, God, when we were dead in sin, has quickened us together with Christ. And then went further to say, Colossians 3, 1, If it had be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. So, if redemption was finished at Calvary, our old man is passed away. But a new man, the new creation, had not been raised up in his life. Then we are all lost beings. I'm saying the same thing. Is that okay? Rabbi, if everything got finished, remember, we are sitting together with him. We are only sitting after he has risen. I don't know if you get the picture. Right. We never sat with him. In terms of dominion on the cross. Our old man was crucified with him on the cross. Yes, that's what we're saying. But in sitting together with him in the heavenly places, is that our resurrection? Am I right? Good. So what do you say now is finished? What is finished? Amen. So evidently we find that Christ did not finish the work. Not at all. Christ had to be crucified, buried, raised from the, from the dead in order for us to be fully redeemed and made a new creation in Christ Jesus. It's only after resurrection that we really have a new creation being realized. That's what you must know. We never had a new creation on the cross. It was the old man that was crucified on the cross. Is that, is that right? That's simple. So when you say it's finished, okay, fine, it's finished. What is finished? My old man is crucified. I agree with you. Is that okay? But that's not the end of redemption. Glory to God. Surprisingly, I have to say this again. Even the glorious resurrection did not finish the work. <laughs> For he has to have said, Get enthroned, and then pour out the Holy Spirit, that we might become his dwelling place, as he come to dwell within us, as our life. So you look at Colossians 3, verse 3 and 4. His resurrection is not even the finished work. Because even if he had risen and just gone to heaven without his spirit coming, we would still not be sons of God. I don't think I get on point. For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall we appear with him in glory. Cry with her life shall appear. Appearing from where? Not from the sky, but from within us. Just like he appeared from within the Jesus or the Lamb on the Mount of Transfiguration. So you see, the process of redemption is still on. The process of restoration is still on. So nothing is finished on the cross other than Jesus poured out his blood 
and restore us back to God as sons with our sins forgiven. Can I hear an amen? Praise the Lord. So that's not what he's saying there. Okay. Therefore, you cannot talk about a finished work without Pentecost. Is it okay? Because even when he died and rose, the work is still not finished. Something still has to happen after resurrection. It was only after he has risen that the Spirit came down. And like I keep saying, without the Spirit coming down, you are not born again. Hallelujah. So, even at that, it's already the feast of tabernacles that can truly be said to be the finished work of Christ. Because you see, Pentecost alone did not guarantee the full redemption that God has in mind. And we're going to go through that. Amen? We've said it before, you can look at it again. Let's look at Romans chapter 8 verse 22 to 23. 22 23, Romans chapter 8. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruit, I want you to know that, of the Spirit. Even as we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wait, what? The redemption of our body. The body was not redeemed on the cross. The body was not redeemed at Pentecost. The body can only be redeemed in the Feast of Tabernacles. Did you get that? So, the question I'm, I keep asking is, what do you think is finished on the cross? Nothing. There's still more to be accomplished. The only thing that was accomplished on the cross, I keep saying it, is the atonement work. The pouring of his blood and the reconciliation that we were enemies and not reconciled to God. That's the only thing that was accomplished on the cross. Because the law says the wages of sin is death and God must fulfill his laws. You see, there are some laws, most often there are laws that God has made that only him can fulfill in a way. If he, I've explained this sometimes. When you look at it, the law, an eye for an eye for a tooth, that tells you that for man to be redeemed, he has to have the equivalent of a man. Not just the equivalent of a man, but the man whose blood is pure. And so, an eye for an eye for a tooth means you cannot use an animal to sacrifice on behalf of a man to get redemption because they are not of the same value. The blood of a man is harder than the blood of, of the goat or sheep or anything you want to use. Or chicken you want to use. Now, God had to do that by himself. In Acts 20, 28, he had to become a man. And so the Bible says, you know how to bear yourself in the church with God purchased with his own blood. He used his own blood to purchase mankind. To get the equivalent of the blood that Adam had before the fall. That's the fulfillment of the law of an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. So if, if you're... An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, what I'm trying to explain. Is that okay? Right. You can't purchase anything from the market that doesn't have the required value. It's not possible. 
So you can't redeem man with the blood of goats and sheep. It's not possible. So for that to happen, I was trying to illustrate that if you pluck somebody's tooth that was like this, that means you want to revenge, you pluck in the other man's tooth. You, you must make sure the, that the one you are removing is like this. Because it's an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Huh? If you, if you pluck somebody's eye that was blind, that means if you want to revenge, you must you will not be the one to blind the person's eye. The person's eye must be blinded before you remove it. I don't even get what I'm saying. That's how perfect the law is. You know what? Nothing must be shorter or smaller. It has to be equal. That's why the Bible says vengeance is mine. Because you don't know the value of the offense. You can't quantify the offense somebody has committed. But God can. So knowing that you cannot redeem yourself, animals cannot redeem you, it has to become man to fulfill the law of an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Is it making sense to you? Alright. So, now you got to understand something. The, the goal or the ultimate assignment of the fivefold ministry of Ephesians 4.11 is for the perfecting of the saints. Am I right? Good. So, let's look at that again, maybe from the Amplified translation, and then uh, Amplified translation, I think it's fine. We can just take it from there, from the Amplified translation. So, this is what it says. Uh, I'm reading from verse 12, Amplified translation. Ephesians 4. His intention for the Bible ministry was the perfecting and the full equipping of the saints. His consecrated people. That they should do the work of ministry <clears throat> towards building of Christ's body, the church. Are you getting that? That it might develop. What's going to develop? The church. Until we all attain oneness in the faith and in the comprehension of the full and accurate knowledge of the Son of God. That we might arise. <laughs> they say it is finished. It simply means you have, you, have, you have already arrived if you say it's finished. But here the Bible is saying that we might arrive at really mature manhood. No sons, no children. The completeness of personality, which is nothing less than the standard height of Christ's own perfection, the measure of the stature of the fullness of the Christ, and the completeness found in Him. So then, we may no longer be what? Children tossed so like sheep to and fro between the chance girls of teaching and wavering with every changing wind of doctrine. The prey of the cunning and cleverness of unscrupulous men. Gamblers engaged in every shifting form. Praise the Lord. Of trickery in inventing errors to mislead. I just want you to look at the whole picture of the ultimate goal of the Bible ministry. When you say it is finished on the cross, why do we need the Bible ministry? What are they doing? What assignment do they have anymore? I don't think I get what I'm saying here. You say it is finished and God is giving Bible ministry to the body. And he said the body must come to the place of maturity exactly like Christ. Now look at us. Ministers all over the place. Just look at us. Look at the church. Measure the church today with Christ and tell me if the church is like Christ. And you said it's finished. What is finished is my question. Hallelujah. 
You see minister fighting on Facebook, quarreling, you know, backbiting, hitting, trying to pull down one another. And you say, it's perfection, it is finished. What is finished? Paul speaking to Corinthian church, said, I cannot speak to you as mature people, but as babes, because among you are quarreling, envy, jealousy, backbiting. And you say, it is finished? No. Jesus is coming, as it were, for a church that without spot or wrinkle. As long as we are quarreling, envy, jealousy, biting, those are wrinkles. And Jesus is working to perfect and to remove all of those things. He's not going to marry a church or marry a body that is not as perfect as himself. If he has to marry the church the way the church is, then it's a pedophilia. An adult marrying a younger person. And even in the natural, there's a law against it. Am I right? Marrying underage. <laughs> you want Jesus to marry an underage person? Now that's what we're talking about. It is finished. What is finished? Think about it. Praise the Lord. The pain of childbirth. Go to Galatians chapter 4 verse 19. I'll show you something there. This is Paul cry. My little children, of whom I travail in birth again, until Christ the world formed in you. But you remember, when the Christ is formed in a person, you now begin to express the Christ's life. Because Christ has become our life. Colossians 3, 4. Right? You begin to express the Christ. So, what is going on now? You tell me, Paul is actually speaking to the, the Galatian church that you are not mature enough. That Christ has not been fully formed in your life. And this is my pain. This is my body. Hallelujah. Away together. Go to Act 20 again, 27. Like I said, 27, 28. Act 20, verse 27 and 28. Look at this. But I have not shown to declare unto you the whole counsel of God. Take it therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with what? With his own blood. You see that? The church which hath purchased with his own blood. Now, I want you to begin to think now. Don't forget what I said before. I'm going to explain something to you now. If you are going to buy anything, you pay the value of the object or the property you are buying. Am I right? You're going to buy Mercedes-Benz, you have to have the, the equivalent value of the, of the money in your pocket to be able to get the Mercedes-Benz. Is that okay? Now, in principle, the church is bought. But, let's go on. I want to show you something. Ephesians 1 verse 3. Ephesians 1 verse 3. I mean verse 13. Sorry. Ephesians 1 13. In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Now remember salvation? Sotoria. Right? It goes into, I mean, from the root word sozo, which speaks about 
your full health or your full redemption, spirit, soul, and body. That's what salvation means. Salvation is what you're talking about. Oh, I believe in Lord Jesus Christ. It didn't end there. It's complete health. That's what it means. The same prayer you see, John was praying to Gaius, which above all, that may prosper, be in health, even as your soul prospered. So there's a prosperity of the soul. Then there's a prosperity of the physical body. Okay? So now he said, after that you have believed, you will see with the Holy Spirit of promise. Verse 14. Which is, that's what I'm going to, what? The earnest of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Notice that. The Holy Spirit is what? Our earnest what? Inheritance. Until what? The redemption of the purchased possession. That is to say, you bought this speaker, you paid some amount of money on it, so that now it is your speaker, but you have not taken delivery because there's a balance for you to pay. That's what the word NS means. So the Holy Spirit is only telling us that there is still work to be done in our lives. In other words, our salvation is not complete. Though he has purchased it. Is it making sense to you? Very good. Because that's why right in Acts 20, it said, you are bought with the blood. But, I am saying, after the Lord's intention is to buy you back, he made a down payment, which is the Holy Spirit. Okay. Look at Ephesians 4 and verse 30. And so this is what he says. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby we are sealed unto the day of what? Redemption. Which redemption? We'll be redeemed, isn't it? By what we claim, by what we say, we're already redeemed. But the Bible is telling us here that the Holy Spirit is given to you as a seal unto the day of redemption, which is the earnest of our inheritance. I try to make you see what I... What means? Maybe I'm going to touch it a little bit. But let me see, move on. Are you with me? He's talking about a day of redemption. So what redemption is that? Now, if the work is finished, why use this word? Remember what we read in, 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 in verse, what verse? Verse 14. Right? So, which is the endless of my head until. Did you get that? Until the redemption of the purchased possession. Now here he's saying you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise until the day of redemption. So there is an until. And until doesn't mean it is finished. Something is here to be done. So the question now is, what day of, of redemption is this? What do we mean the day of redemption? Praise the Lord. Again, we'll go back again now to Romans 8, we read it before. 22 to 23. That's where you're going to find the day of redemption again. So, Romans 8, 22. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travelleth in pain to be on, together until now. I always want you to look at this word until, until, until. Romans 8, 22, now verse 23. And not only creation, but we ourselves also, which have the first fruits now this is important. The first fruits of the Spirit. 
Even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for what? The adoption with the redemption of our body. So the day of redemption we find in Ephesians 4.30 has to do with the redemption of our body. So what are you telling me that it is finished? What is finished? Hallelujah. Are we still here? All right. I want you to get these things. Now, if you look at this one, there's a word used, the first fruit of the Spirit. Not a fool. When you say first fruit, Israel, they have to have the first harvest and the full harvest. The full harvest is called ingathering. Is that okay? The feast of week is when they have the first fruits from the farm. After they are planting, they get the first fruit. That the final gathering is called ingathering. That the final harvest. So here, the Spirit is saying, we have received the first fruit of the Spirit. That means not the full. Hallelujah. Okay, now you turn with me to Second Corinthians 1, verse 21. But I want you to notice those things. Keep them in your mind there. False fruit. Earnest. Inheritance. Just keep those things in your mind. First Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 1, 21. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 21. Now, he which established us with you in Christ and has anointed us with God. Who had also sealed us, same thing with Ephesians 4, and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. The earnest, earnest. Can you get that? With the same thing, the first fruit. With the same thing, what we read in Ephesians 1 13 to 14. You remember that? Good. The earnest of, this, of our inheritance until the purchased possession. Right. Now, Ephesians 4, 30 talks about the first fruits. Uh, Romans 8, 22, 23 talks about the first fruits. Right? Now, here he calls it what? The earnest of the Spirit. Now, the word earnest is arabon, which means a pledge. That is part of the purchase money or property given in advance. As security for the rest. Praise God. Did you get it now? It's just like what I said in the very beginning. Now, maybe you want to buy a Mercedes-Benz car or whatever car you want to buy for maybe three million. That's the cost price. Market price. And you go to the store and you have two million. And you pay down two million. Then they give you receipt. And they're going to say balance. Not paid in full. Is that okay? Right. So now, but you can take that receipt. And now, the car dealer cannot sell that car anymore because your name is on it. You follow what I'm saying now? Right. You can come at any time, you can display the deposit you paid to show that you own the car. But you can't take delivery of the car because the balance of one million is straight remaining. The day you bring your balance of one million, you drive away the car from the showroom. Are you getting that? Good. We have been purchased. But for God to take full possession of us, our bodies must also be what? Redeemed. That's why I say, earnest of the Spirit. 
down payment. So the Holy Spirit in your heart that you're working with, that you're doing all of those miracles you're doing, is a sure sign for you to show that, well, there is more to life that God wants to accomplish in us as human beings. Praise the living God. Are we here? Good. So, it is, it's like in a pawn shop, giving us a security pledge. That's what the word NS means. So, NS of the Spirit means a security pledge. You know, where you, where, where you go for pawn, pawn shop, talking about where auctions are sold, you know, and uh, you go there, you want to buy stuff, and then the auctioneer looks at you and says, okay, going, going, this amount, this one is going for, and then you make some deposit there. They are going to leave the car for you. They are going to leave whatever thing you wanted to buy for you until you come back with the balance. Is that okay? Yeah. For humanity, we're all on the pawn shop. Adam sold us into slavery to sin. Right? Then Jesus came to buy us back from the pawn shop. That is what redemption is all about. So now, the Spirit given to us is the earnest, is the down payment. It's not the full payment. Because that is your spirit be redeemed. Your soul is also going through the process of redemption. Remember what your soul is made up of? Your soul made up of your spirit, your soul. I mean, your, 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 your will, your intellect, your emotion, and your mind. This is what makes up your soul. So your soul is undergoing redemption, which is what we call sanctification. You follow me? Alright. Okay. You understand the meaning of NS now? NS of the Spirit? Down payment, not full payment. Alright. So you go to James chapter 1 verse 18. James chapter 1 verse 18. And that's what it says. Of his own free will, of his own will, begetting us with the word of truth. James chapter 1 verse 18. That we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. I want you to listen to that again. James chapter 1, I said, verse number 18. Why kind of first fruits? First fruit means there's still going to be a whole lot of gathering. Is that okay? You plant your farm, you go into your farm, you have some seed already out, some fruits already out. You can easily have those ones. But the fact that you have some fruit already on the farm that you have harvesting shows that they're going to be a former, I mean, a complete harvest at the end of the day. Is that okay? That's what it means. We are a kind of first fruit of the harvest of God on the earth today. But we are not the only fruit to be harvested by God. That is again where the church is getting into another trouble. Amen? Now, come with me to 1 Corinthians. Keep that strongly in your mind. We are a kind of first fruit. First fruit does not mean the whole fruit. Meaning it's not a complete harvest. Is that okay? Good. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 22. For as in Adam... How many people die? Come and talk with me. As in Adam, how many people die? All. Even so, a Christ how many people? All. They made alive. Anybody can go get crazy about this. This is what the Bible says. This is what the Bible says. 
<laughs> Look at verse 23. But every man, what? In his own order. Christ, the first fruits, afterward they that are Christ are disappearing. Then come at the end. So here we have three categories of people. That God wants to harvest. Christ, the first fruits, was the first harvest. First fruit among many brethren. I mean, senior brother of every creature. Every first harvest, you have to have a harvest. It has to be the first to be harvested. After that, those who belong to Christ will now be harvested. Then the end. The third category of people. Are you there? <laughs> and when that happens, look at it. I'm going to show you something here. Verse 24. Then come at the end. When he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall put down all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign till he put all enemies where? On the foot. Question again. Is all enemy now on the feet? What is finished? Talk to me. Can you get that? Are you following what I'm saying here? I want you to pick it. Now, the world we read in verse 22 is very important. Every man in his own order. That word order in the Greek is tagma. Tagma means something orderly in arrangement. A troop or regiment. What you probably call a battalion. So you have first battalion, second battalion, third battalion, like we have in, in the natural. That's what it means. That order. Tagma means a troop or a battalion. So like in Warrior we have, uh, is it 93 battalion? What do you have one? The through there? 93? Good. So you have that. That's a battalion. Then you go to some other place, you have another battalion. You, anyway, when you see military posts, you always see their own battalion written out there. Is that okay? Good. That's what he's saying. When he say every man in his own order... That's what he's saying. That's the first group. He being the first fruit. His own camp is there. Those who are Christ, they follow. Then the end. All these are group of people. Getting to the harvest. Praise the Lord. So that's what it means. It is taken from, I mean, it means a series of successions. Successions. One after the other. So like we read there, he talks about Christ the first fruit, then they that are Christ, and they in the end. You see that? So Christ first, to succeed that is those who are Christ, and they in the end. That's why I say, as in Christ, all shall be made alive, just as in Christ, all died. It's in subsections. Praise the living God. If you look at your school system, everybody does not graduate from the same school at the same time. Is that okay? Right. Nobody know where you find the school, all the students graduate the same year from school. No. Or let those in particular class. It's in succession. That's what he's saying. So, how do you see this thing being played out and you say it is finished? My question is, what is finished? Hallelujah. So, 
What finished work are we really talking about here, friends? Never you over proclaim the finished work. Of Christ, as if it ends with Calvary, as good as that may be. That is only religion with its soulish excitement that is still more to salvation. Praise the living God. Now look at 1 Corinthians 15 and go back to verse 14. Let me read this while we try to round up. Praise the Lord. 1 Corinthians again. 14, I mean 15 verse 14. This is what it says. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Let's even meditate on that. If you say it is finished, and you don't touch the resurrection of Christ, then your faith is in vain. <laughs> Are you seeing that? Look at it again. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also in vain. Because your faith is tied to the resurrection. It's not tied to Calvary. Is it making sense? No, just look at it. <laughs> your faith is not tied to Calvary. Your faith is tied to resurrection. Look at the next thing. Verse 15 now. Yea. Verse 15 I said. Yea, and we have found false witness of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. Mm -hmm. Verse 16. For if the dead rise not, then Christ, then is not Christ raised. Verse 17. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain emphasis. You are yet in your sins. Did you get this? So is the resurrection that delivers you, set you free from the issue of sin. You died with him, you rose with him. So, how do you now start talking about finished work on the cross when you don't talk about resurrection? What is finished? If you end all your work with the, with Calvary, it simply means you are still a sinner. Because your faith is not in Calvary, your faith is in the resurrection. Amen? Are you there with me? Look at the way you pray for, for those of us who talked about you know, evangelical, as the case may be. I receive Christ into my heart. Is that okay? I receive Christ into my heart today, whatever, whatever, I will say, well, your sins are forgiven. You didn't receive the cross into your heart. You received Christ. Am I correct? What you are saying you receive is Christ. And who is the Christ? The resurrected Christ, not the crucified Christ. So when you say the crucified Christ, the work is finished, then you are still in your sin because you cannot be set free in that regard without the resurrection. It is the resurrected man that gave life to you. Praise the Lord. Are we here? Okay. So I want you to get this. Now, I would like to finish this from Romans 5.10 again. Let's go back. I'm just packaging this thing so that I can get it. But let's read it from 
the message translation. Romans 5, message translation. Let's take it from message translation and see. Look at it. Romans 5, 10. If when we were at our worst, we were put on friendly terms with God by the sacrificial death of his son. Now, I want you to get that. We were put on friendly terms with God by what? The sacrificial death of his son. Did you get it? Okay. Now that we are at our best with God now, as friends, just think of how our lives will expand and deepen by means of what? His resurrection life. Can you get that? Our life will expand and deepen by means of his resurrection life. Not by means of the cross. Hallelujah. Are you there with me? So, what is finished? Again I said, everything that was finished is just reconciling us, becoming friends with God. But walking as sons is on the other side of the cross. Resurrection. You just look at this thing how you say that. Just think of how our lives were expound and deepened by means of his resurrection life. That is the ultimate. So we are not saying the cross is fin- we're not saying the cross has no value. It's so powerful. Without the cross, we can't be friends of God. But being sons, not on the cross. It's through the resurrection. Because when he rose, he released the spirit, and then we're born again. Amen. If you take it from Amplify, it says, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, it is much more certain now that we are reconciled that we shall be saved, daily delivered from sin's dominion through his resurrection life. Can you get it? Daily delivered. So when Paul said, I died daily, it's not that he was going to the grave and coming out. No. Something was getting out of his life daily. And that is through the cross. So what I tell him, it is finished. I mean, through the life of resurrection. Not through the cross. Your dying daily is directly connected to the resurrection life of Jesus Christ. And this thing continues until we, full, we become a full-fledged being, son of God. That become the band. Hmm? Hallelujah. In the book of Isaiah, in Isaiah, prophesy and say, your son shall marry thee. You know what that means? A husband provides for the wife. So if son, your son shall marry thee, means your son shall become mature to provide for you. It's just like Joseph in Egypt. You see that? He was a god unto Pharaoh. He was a master in the land. And when the children came, they had to bow down. Even his parents had to bow down to him. He took them and feed them. And begin to feed them. Now, in the process of feeding them in that condition, he was like a husband to the entire community. Your son shall marry thee. That is Ben, B-E-N. The highest level of sonship. Not even wheels. 
We are the declaration, my son can do this. But being done is the issue. Just like you see, when Joseph died, Jesus being the firstborn in the family, was do carpentry. You remember Jesus, Joseph died when he was 15 years old. And he has to take care of his mother and the rest of the people. And that's why when he was going away, he had to call John and say, Behold your mother. Not because he was saying, Actually, people are not my mother. That's not what he's talking about. This, I was caring for the family as a firstborn, and I'm going, You take charge. Take care of your mother. That is babe. Are you sitting there with me? And these are the kind of sons that God is waiting for to arise on the face of the earth. Your son shall marry thee. So we are talking about people that shall rise to take care, take responsibility for creation. And the church will be fully known as Bethel, which is called the house of bread. Hallelujah. The house of bread. When there's enough bread in the house. True sons who are banned are the people that are going to do that. So there's still more people. We can't just stop and say it is finished on the cross. When we don't even have the agenda of God yet at, at our mind. We have no clue yet what God wants to do. But I'm just giving you some insight, glimpse into God's intention for creation. That God wants to raise the people who shall be like Joseph to provide for the entire creation. You see, when Joseph bought every land in Egypt and around the place for, for Pharaoh, that was like Jesus buying the world for God. And Joseph bought the whole land, bought everything. All other people were not coming to Egypt to buy food. I mean, if you remember that. And that is where the Bible talks about when the kingdom shall be established and other kingdoms shall move or flow into the kingdom. On the mountain of the Lord and other mountains shall come to the mountain of the Lord. Have we seen that yet? Are you telling me the work is finished? What is finished? There's still a process and a progression of redemption that is going on. That all things will be restored into harmony, into the glorious desire of God. It's just like the scripture we talked about, just as the water covers the sea, the glory of the Lord shall cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. The glory of the Lord shall cover the earth. No space that the glory of the Lord shall not be seen. So men... Redemption continues. Nothing is finished on the cross except that he brought us back unto God. But the process of redemption begins after resurrection. Have I blessed you? Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.